You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, Never been that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, Seth Levitt and the man with the best hands in the podcast business, OJ McDuffie, Juice. We're on a specialist run right now, man. How are you feeling about this? You, you're a guy who loves to tell us how you came into this league on special teams. You, you damn right. You should big feel right at home the last you few weeks. You damn right, Big Seth. We don't get the love <laughs> and credit we deserve as specialists, man. You know, as a return guy only when I first came to the league, you know, I got a couple snaps at wide receiver uh, because we had some veterans ahead of me, man. But we all know that the game is in thirds, Big Seth. Offense, defense, right. and for sure, special teams. So Three this phases. I hear it all the time from right. our coach and our quarterback. Damn right. That's what's up. With that, Brandon Fields dives into the fish tank for the first time. Brandon, how you feeling, man? I'm good. I'm good. Good morning, gentlemen. Now, you are you were just telling me, so Juice, he's not in a, in a dungeon there. He's not in a basement there at the Fields house. So he's not in trouble. No. He's not in trouble he's, right he's now. He's not in any trouble. He's I'm actually kind of got exciting news. Right now. I'm, I'm borrowing uh, my wife's office in our uh, new production facility for a brewery because uh, mine's more in shambles than uh, than hers is. But. <laughs> Typically, hey, how it Brandon, goes. did you have to like make a decision like, wow, I can't do it here. I got to go. I'm, I need your I need your office space. Is that what you had to tell the wife? She, she's not here right now, so she doesn't know quite yet. <laughs> oh, I love it. Didn't tell her anything. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she'll find out soon enough, though. <laughs> That's great stuff. Great stuff. Well, like I was saying, we have been on this amazing special teams run the last few weeks. You know, Jay Feely was in the tank. Uh, just released the John Denny episode, and nobody, Juice, was more helpful in preparation than Brandon Fields. So, you know, Brandon, I, I called you. Like I said, it, it felt like we were doing podcast episodes. You gave me so many good stories. I was like, you need to come on the show yes, as well, man. So uh, I really uh, am excited about that. And Juice, I'm going to go a little off script from our normal procedure here. Okay. But I'm getting right into this thing because we've talked about this story now and we talked about it with John. It's the snap to the face story. And uh, <laughs> it was great because I, we brought it up and John was like, he just was, he knew it was coming. He didn't want it. I think he was holding his breath the whole time, but he knew it was coming. He said, you know, when you called me to get a good story on Jay, I just had a feeling you were going to call Brandon and talk about this. And he's got his perspective and, and I respect it. But, you know, I see things, the way, you know, John, he's diplomatic and he's the nicest guy. And I see things kind of the way I remember them. <laughs> Brandon, tell us what the real story I, was. You got to set the record straight. So it was right. uh, <laughs> it was December fifteenth, two thousand thirteen, against New England Patriots at home, and it was a fake field goal. So with it, uh, the fake field goal was I was going to flip the ball over my shoulder to Caleb Sturgis, who was going to run behind and try to get the corner, get the edge. Uh, it was one that we were working on for about four or five weeks, but with the the Patriots were kind of in mind. That was. Uh, the team that consistently showed us the look that we needed uh, for that one. Our typical field goal kind of operation was as we ran onto the field, uh, linemen were starting to get set. We get the spot for the kicker, Caleb and I. I yell set call. Set call is basically tell the big boys get down because we're going to be snapping it uh, soon. Uh, from there, I have my hand up and I look back at Caleb, make sure he's ready. He gives me the nod. Then I turn my head back to John. And I open up my hand. So it's really just that one audible. And then John's waiting for the next cue to snap it. Well, on any fakes that we did, I would first give the set call. And then as everybody would, would get down and get set, I would check to make sure we got the alignment we needed and give a red, red or a green, green. Red, red means, you know, linemen were kicking it. Don't, uh, don't block the fake. Green, green, it's on. So on that, gave the set call, kind of paused for, you know, a few seconds. Everybody got got down, we saw a look, gave a green green, checked back with Caleb to make sure he knew it was a fake, so I'm not pitching it to nobody. <laughs> uh, well, John saw that or, or had that kind of that second audible or, or, or kind of command, and he was go. He was locked in and just having to time it up where uh, my, my head was turning back around as the ball hit me square in the face, Max. So it's, uh, if you actually look up ball to the face or snap to the face on your iPhone, I'll, I'll pop up as a gift. So. <laughs> My wife, uh, every December 15th, sends it to our staff, 
And uh, we actually made a beer out of it called Snap to the Face. I love it. I love it's, uh, it. It's a jalapeno lime cilantro IPA. <laughs> Juice, you got to see the label. The label looks great. I'll have to text you the picture of it. The label's fantastic. Whoever did the artwork, they captured it beautifully. I love that your wife celebrates it almost like an anniversary. You know that she she announces it to the entire oh, entire yeah. team. There, right. Huh? <laughs> it was it was two days after our first daughter was born, so she was in the hospital watching the game, and all of a sudden the, the chaos <laughs> happened. <laughs> Nurses are coming in. She's yelling at them to get out. That she doesn't know what's going on. She is like she's kind of in bewilderment of like what in the heck just happened. Uh, and this is 2013, so. you said, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So, so you, I mean, you come in the league at 2007. So, I mean, you guys have been playing together, and mm. and, and we'll get into this, but neither of you have missed a game <laughs> in your entirety of, of playing together. So it wasn't like, you know, this was a new operation, Juice. Like, right, these, right, These guys right. have been doing no. this. Oh, man. And so John was so funny. I don't know if you heard the episode yet, Brandon, but John not, was so no. funny because he, he you know, he started off by saying, hey, he's got his perspective and I've got mine. <laughs> and then he got into it. And then he kind of was told on himself a little bit, didn't he, Juice? Right, he was like, right, you know, right. well, I, I guess I just, you know, after he snapping sure a thousand balls with him, and I'm just so later. instinctive. And I hear that second sound and I just went and then Juice goes, kind of sounds like you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I mean, for the record, this is the, this is the first time publicly that I've told the full, the full story every, uh, after this or before this, I always took the blame on everything that I screwed up. I wasn't ready. I made the, you know, made the wrong call. Yeah, it was one thing I, I never, that. I would never throw John or the buff. So I love. So I was going to ask you that, like you know, uh, we get now, we get to see every press conference, all the transcripts, everything, and I don't remember back then if they were doing that as as much as they do it now. But I was like, I'm sure that you were asked about it after the game. And, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> but so yeah, you took you, all the heat, you guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it, it's, I'm a team player. I mean, anytime one of my guys, it, it's, I mean, people make mistakes. But somebody yeah. like that, that we went through so much together, stuff like that. It's especially we won the game. So, as you know, you know, winning kind of uh, <laughs> covers up a lot of mistakes. It uh, does. And you so, can laugh about it. Yeah. So it, it was a lot better with that aspect versus if that was like the game winning play. And, you know, these buffoons are out there hitting each other with the ball. <laughs> it'd be something different. But right, right. <laughs> I love it. And so here's what's great, though, Juice. Like John kind of indicated, well, wait a minute. He's making money off of this thing now at the brewery, you know, the snap to the face beer. And I'm not seeing any of the proceeds of that. But I, I think maybe you you paid him in taking the blame is what it sounds like for all these years. <laughs> He's paying it forward. That's it. That's it. Oh, too good. Too good. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, it's so it's so funny. We talked a little bit about you know special teams shouldn't play a big role in a game unless you're kicking that game winner. Right. You know, like we talked about last night. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it when it happens early and you still win, Brandon. You are right. It, it's not as glaring as it would have been if it had been happening. You know, with the game winning kick on the line. Oh yeah, or or play, that's, not even kick because of the play that you called. That's the the you best know, mistakes. Was was it? Did you go red, red or green, green? I'm, I'm not oh, sure. Oh, I went green, green. We had it. We're running. You had, you had the look is, you oh, wanted. Yeah. I was I was I was half uh, excited to see Sturgis get the first down. I was also half excited to see Sturgis getting lit up. <laughs> you knew that was coming. Both could happen. Was, Both things could happen, right? Pounds. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, that is that is such, the rock. Yeah, that's such a classic story, man. But I see we're trying to do here. But here, here's the thing about it. Now, you know, we finally got another Ohio guy in here, Big Seth. You didn't say anything about that. You know, no. usually <laughs> when we're talking, I, I want to get right to the good. He's story. not. You know, I know he was born in Michigan. You know, but he grew uh -huh. up in Toledo, Ohio, and that makes you an Ohioan in my eyes. You know, Brandon. Oh, yeah, and, life and in Ohio. That's right. See, Big Seth. So you only talk about the Florida guys and things like that, but when it comes to Ohio, <laughs> you just gloss over that all the time. Bro. Go with what you know, Juice. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. what I've been taught. All right, all right. Well, at St. John's Jesuit High School in Toledo, um, you played multiple positions, including punter, obviously. But you're a big ass dude, Brandon. Man, at six five, what do you say? Two. I don't want to get your weight because weight always kind of. What do you say, weight wise? No, I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm right now. I'm about two thirty three. See, two thirty three. I was gonna say two fifty, but I I'm, I'm glad I didn't say that, man, because I know no, how that's, big. That's you what are. I played. Yeah, that's uh. So I was a, a solid. Let's see, I played football at two ten and basketball two o five. Looking back now, looking at pictures, I, I was a lot tougher than. Or I thought I was a lot tougher than I actually was. Um, but yeah, but uh, college, I was, I think I got in at 215, graduated about 230. And then down in Miami, finished my 
uh, weigh-in weight was 249 when I finished, but I played about 245. Right, no doubt about it. That's why, I mean, at that at 6'5", you could be fucking 280, and I think that you look great like you always did, man. But I'm, you know, I'm surprised, though, that, you know, someone didn't try you at that at that size in that way. I'm surprised you didn't get, you know, somebody didn't try you at tight end or, or, or D-lineman or something like that. At, at what point did you decide that punter was going to be your, your pretty much your go-to position and your moneymaker probably? Uh, not until my junior year of high school. Uh, growing up, I always wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play basketball yeah. for Kentucky. Uh, my dad played mm. basketball for Northwestern um, and did kind of some semi-pro and some Europe ball. So basketball, that's what I played growing up. Football, I didn't start until eighth grade. And I actually loved playing the field. I was a tight end, uh, defensive end. I mean, I loved catching the ball in the flat, turning it up and seeing some little DB, you know, try to <laughs> try to tackle me. Um I was just slow. I mean, quite honestly, I had great hands. I could catch the ball. Decent blocker. I was good pass blocking more than run blocking just because of having long arms. Uh, but yeah, I, I knew I wasn't fast enough. There was a couple of smaller schools that were recruiting me for playing tight end, but I always wanted to play Big Ten. And I knew punting was kind of my route to do that. Funny thing enough, when I was a red shirt at Michigan State, I did some uh, practice squad stuff at tight end. But it wasn't until would be my... Uh, red shirt freshman year so my second year when I won the kicking job that's when they gave me the bag of balls told me to go in the corner and, and don't get hurt so <laughs> that's one of those of but it quickly changed and I owned it it was my craft so I mean I, I worked hard on it knowing that yeah that would be fun fun and all play on the field but that wasn't my job that wasn't what I was there to do so I, I just kind of buckled down and worked hard at it and kind of did what I had to do to, to contribute for the team and big Seth you know this man all those football players you know, basketball is our favorite sport. Right. I, I bet if you if you if you did a, a poll of most football players, basketball is our favorite sport. Now, for me, Brandon, I wasn't six five, so I had no choice but to play football. You know, or so, two fifty, right? Juice, right. Or two fifty. Hey, yeah, well, I was I was close to two hundred at times, but that's a different story, Big <laughs> Seth. That's a different story, man. But that, that's that's no that's doubt. good stuff, though, man. I love it. I love that the the athletes are, and I say this all the time, Brandon. The best athletes play football. I actually didn't line. get. Uh, the Michigan State coach Sal Sunry at the time, special teams quarter, he didn't offer me a scholarship until he saw me play basketball. Oh wow! So he came, right. he, obviously, I had my my football tape. Season's over. Um, he came down to yeah one of our basketball games, and then afterwards, that's when he offered me the scholarship. Yeah, especially up there, Big Seth. I mean, up there we we play a football season, and then the next we got to go indoors, right, Brandon? Mm-hmm. We have to go indoors, and that's when they come and see how great athletes we are. You know, up in Ohio, Big Seth in Ohio. Yeah, I get yeah, it. I get okay, it. I okay. get it for Big sure. Seth. Well, well, listen, that special teams coach made a good decision. Whatever he saw in your basketball film, because you go from being a St. John's Titan to a Michigan State Spartan, and you're not just in the corner not getting hurt. You become a rock star punter. You're an All American as a sophomore. You're rewriting the record books there, and by the time you're done, look, your position is one that, what, I think an average of like two or three punters get drafted a year. It's not like there's a run. Right. And fortunately, you positioned yourself to where you did get drafted, seventh round of the 2007 NFL draft, Miami Dolphins select you, so you joined Camp Cameron's draft class that included Ted, another Ohioan juice, right? Ted Ginn, oh, yeah. the entire so, Ginn so, so family. That's what we do. That's what right? we do. With the first round pick, and uh, <laughs> and then and we had another. I, Paul Solii was on recently. We, you know, we had Paul. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had a great draft class there. But I guess what I'm wondering is, did you think that you would get drafted? Did you think you had positioned yourself into a place where you would get drafted? And then the other side of that is. Hey, I'm I'm gonna get a chance to live my dream. I get drafted by the Miami Dolphins. I just said 2007. I just said Cam Cameron. So Dolphin fans right now were sweating as they're thinking about that one in 15 season. You break into the league, and it's literally the the absolute bottom of the barrel uh, season for a team that had this storied history. Uh, you know, but when you and I talked about it, you said that despite the fact that it was absolutely a trying season that camp Cameron was kind of the right coach for you that first year. Yeah. Um, I mean, looking at it now, I think I was a bit of a project. I was, I was a little raw coming out of college. I mean, I, I had a huge leg, hadn't quite developed um, a lot of that kind of uh, short, short range touch yet. Steve Hoffman was assistant special teams coach. He's one of the few coaches that actually knows how to coach punting and kicking. Surprisingly, most special teams coordinators 
know nothing about right. uh, kicking and the, the technique about it. Um, now, I've had some great ones. Dave Phipps, who's in Detroit now, Darren Rizzi, uh, Bonamago, Armstrong, where they're good enough coaches to, to observe. Like, hey, you know, this was a good punt. You did X, Y, and Z right. Okay, this one was a bad one, and this is what I saw that was different. Uh, more of that feedback. Steve Hoffman, on the other hand, was more into the, the technical side of things. So being drafted was phenomenal, ecstatic. Um, as you said, not many punters or kickers are drafted, if at, if at all. So knowing that a team uh, wants to spend that draft pick, they want you to come in, uh, means a lot. And my whole entire spring going into summer, Steve Hoffman kind of broke me down and kind of was trying to mold me into his technique. From there, I kind of took it and made it my own. I, I never truly did the full you know, 180 that he wanted me to, but I kind of took uh, what I could use and, and made it my own. Uh, I tell when I teach young kids, it's a lot like golf, where if you look at the PGA, all the golfers kind of have their own unique swing, but they're all doing a few things the same. Punting and kicking is like that. You know, if you look at NFL punters and kickers, you know, they, they're all kind of unique in their own style, but they're all doing a few fundamentals that are correct. So with that, I mean, I know I'm not really talking about the, two, the 2007 season. Uh, so part of it was I didn't know any better. I was a rookie, so I didn't know how it's supposed to be. I didn't know how team meetings are supposed to go. I didn't know how coaches are supposed to conduct themselves. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I was used to college, and college, no matter what, is always different how coaches speak and conduct themselves with players than, than it is with pros. Uh, but Cam was not a doom and gloom type of guy. So knowing that one, I'm trying, I'm doing all new technique that, I mean, the preseason was the first time that I was really getting live reps at, at this new stuff. So it's thinking of like, you know, I'm thinking too much as opposed to reacting versus later on in my career. It's just, it's automatic. I'm, I'm just reactive to it. My body knows what it's doing. I don't have to think. If I think I'm probably going to screw myself up. So my rookie year, if I had a bad punt, if I if I didn't do something I was supposed to, instead of him berating, getting down on me, it's, you know, hey, Fields, you can do it. I saw you do it in practice. You know, go in the net, get your mind right, get out there. We're going to need you. And and that was better in terms of, you know, the, the cussing and the cursing and kind of, I mean, guys know when they screw up. They right. know when they make a good play. They know when they make a mistake. They don't need somebody in their ear telling them how bad they did. When they mm -hmm. they know, I mean, it's their job. They're professionals, whether you're a rookie or you know a 15 year vet. So with him, just having that helped me um, out a lot. But again, one in 15, obviously not <laughs> everything to do. So you know, I was open. There was a few interesting team meetings that year, uh, to say the least. <laughs> we have heard that. Uh, Players-only meetings? Uh, yeah, and probably some that should have been that were not. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I was naive to everything, so everything was new to me. So then realized, like, huh, that's, that's not how that's supposed to be later on. So, right, yeah, yeah. so it, was, it was good. I mean, it ended up working out. Surprisingly, uh, if you look at my stats career, I think all years but one, I had about 80 punts every single year. Yep. So even the teams that we were horrible because we were getting beat so bad in the second half, we're going for it or right. we're turning the ball over as mm. opposed to punting it. Um, so it was just kind of funny with that of, you know, the, the 115 and the, and the 11 and 15 or 11 to 5 season the next year. I think I had just about the same amount of punts. I was looking at that. I was going to see, you know, I kind of wanted to say, oh, well, you certainly got a lot of practice that first year. But it wasn't much different from, you know, it was kind of at the mean. It wasn't the, on the high end. You know, you, it was 70-something punts almost every year, and I think you had eight. Maybe the year you went to the Pro Bowl, you had 80-something punts one of those years. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that, that is interesting you brought that up. Yeah, so a lot of work in the first half, and then after that, just kind of uh, <laughs> sitting and watching the game. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you, know, you know, what's so crazy to me, though, Brandon, is like you were an All-American punter, and they were – Honestly, trying to change the mechanics, I mean, that makes no sense to me. Why Why would they want to do that? Is it Was it more beneficial in the pro game than what you were doing in the college game? Why would they want to change the mechanics? It was, it was the cleanup. Um, I was long. I mean, being being uh, long legged. Yeah, we love that, I was, though. I was, we love was, that, bro. You know, returners, big Seth, I mean, that, go ahead. Kick, so it, kick it 70 it's, yards you got to. We'll talk about that. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. That, but that's, that's how we uh, – so I, I get more, more long in my stride. Of not getting close. To, oh, okay. Uh, to I, the got block point. I got you. I got you. Got uh, you. Well, he was both power, then, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's uh, our team. Our punt team knew 
they took pride that I was going to send it and they were going to run. But they loved that. I mean, our, our gunners, our team, I was friends with pretty much all of our defensive coordinators every single year because I knew that we were – they knew I was going to put them in, in good position or our team was. I mean, I, I honestly – I can kick the ball a mile, but if my team's not going to cover, it's not going to mean anything. But our guys knew that, that, yeah, I might put some that are 70 yards, but heck, I'll give you a 20-yard return. Well, I'll take the 70, 50 any day. So <laughs> coaches may not like that, right. of that potential for that, that big return. But me, I mean, that's the same. If, if the ball is on our you know, 30, 40-yard line, I'm going for the end zone. I'm going for that pylon. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that sucker in the end zone and take the return all day long or take the touchback all day long. You know, you know what I've been seeing, Brandon, is a lot of the rugby style now, man. And it's like it kind of it kind of drives me crazy. But some guys can do rugby to pin it. Some guys do rugby to, to boom it as well. What do you think about the rugby style that's come around? You know, and of course, with punting in the NFL, only the Flyers can go before the ball's punt. I see it a lot more in college because you can run, run, run. and Everybody's already halfway down the field in college before the ball's even punt, it seems like. What do you think about some of these rugby style guys that have been coming out? I'm a purist, so yeah, I don't like yeah. it at all. I mean, college is completely different now where it's it's more on the coverage team than the actual punter. But the pros, there's some guys that have been doing that. Uh, not quite the full rollout, but um, yeah, for me, it's I'm a purist. I want that, that sucker, the spiral, turnover, you know, go 55, 60, 70 yards down the field on the sideline, so. But yeah, we'll just leave it at that. It's not, it's not my thing. Yeah, Big Seth, I always talk about how catching a punt is the hardest thing in, in football. It really yeah, is. I mean, the quarterback's a tough position, obviously. But catching the punt, he just talked about it. When that spiral turns over, that thing is going to go a long way. But when it doesn't, it falls off a cliff. So you go into certain environments, you know, you're in, you're in windy Meadowlands or you're up in Buffalo, and you see that thing fall off a cliff, it might start going the other way sometimes, Brandon. And that, <laughs> oh, that yeah. drove me crazy as a return guy. Yeah, I'd have it where my ball, if I was aiming straight and it turned over to the right, it would it would actually fit about six, seven yards to the right. Now, if it didn't turn over and, and slashed, it would be a good 20 yards to the left. Hard level, so right? You're talking to, oh, yeah. And it, yeah, it, it would, it's one of those duck hooks in, off the tee box where it's, you don't know where it's going, but it's not going the right way. So I know punters, Big Seth, I know punters are good golfers most of the time. So that was a – your golf game might have – sometimes it mirrors what your punt game could be like sometimes. A little bit. I'm not I'm not as good as Feely and, and Denny, uh, that's for sure. I'd say out of the three of us, Feely was, was the best. Uh, John could hit the long ball. But, yeah, I didn't really start playing until um, senior year in college. So I, I got uh, a quick education on the – on the tee box from numerous veterans, put it that way. <laughs> JT included on that. I bet, I bet. Well, Feely made sure to tell us that he was the best at, uh, of the three guys. He mm-hmm. said we could ask you. So he, I, he probably sure. used that foot wedge a little bit too, though. You never know. The foot wedge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. Uh, my first thing, we've heard some things about Feely. I guess that's another we have one we heard add some to things. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is for sure. That's not confirmed, so, though, okay? That's just a rumor. No, no, nothing's been confirmed. Uh, absolutely not. But he just gave us a good little smile and a wink, though, when we asked him. So, so here's something I find interesting is that when you win the job as a rookie, as a punter, you're, you're instantly thrown into the fire, right? So it's mm-hmm. not like making the team at, at another position. In some cases, I don't know why they don't count. Punters and kickers don't get starts, even though you're the guy. You're the only guy. You're the punter for every game, 16 games a year for, for eight years. You have zero starts in your career, which is interesting to me why they, why they don't consider that a starting position. Regardless, you're the guy, right? And so, mm-hmm. so Juice, when you were a rookie, you had Irving Fryer there. You had Mark Ingram. You had other guys. Mark Duper when you first got yeah. there. You had guys that you could kind of watch and model and or who not to model after and, and a guy to put his arm around you and to learn from, right? You have those veteran guys. The defensive linemen have it. The defensive backs have it. But for you, basically the vets in your room are, are John Denny and Jay Feely. And neither of them play your position. But it's just, you know, it's kind of just you guys and on and off the field, right? People that are going to teach you how to be a pro. And I think that that's really interesting. I think it's unique in nature for the sport. Can you talk about the uniqueness of that and then what those two guys meant for you in that first year that, as we just discussed, was a challenging year on the field? What did it mean to have those two guys uh, as kind of your vets that were looking after you? I mean, with those two, it meant a lot. 
Uh, I think John was going into his third year, so still young, but I mean, he's been through, you know, a little bit, so could kind of rely on him on some stuff. I was feel, I think it was his sixth or seventh year when he was down there, but I mean, he conducted himself like a 10 year vet um, on that. And I think being the oldest of the three of us, he definitely kind of took charge of our group in terms of just how to conduct yourself with a lot of, a lot of stuff in terms of meetings, uh, time off. That's one thing that we have a lot of time off. We don't meet as much as everybody else does. A lot of it's on That's our why you're own. all good golfers, Brandon. <laughs> we, we still have to stay in the facility, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> but that that kind of got changed a couple of years before us where I'd hear stories of different vets where during camp they'd come kick in the morning and then go uh, hit 18 while everybody else was doing stuff. But that, that wasn't the case for me, unfortunately. But just that, just how to, how to be a pro. Um, you rely on them. Uh, in terms of technique and stuff, some just relying on their eyes of that of, okay, I'm going to, like I said, with, with coaches not necessarily knowing, the specialists kind of do, even though they don't. Like myself, I know how to kick. I can kick. Uh, not as good as any NFL kicker. However, the same thing, I kind of know the general mechanics. So if somebody is having problems and it says, hey, just watch me take a few reps. And same thing of like your foot this way, your foot that way, like that sort of thing. But outside of that, it's kind of our own in terms of uh, I worked with Ray Guy in college. I would work his kicking camps and stuff. So mm. uh, on the side during lunch breaks afterwards, I'd punt with him. Even when he was 50 wow. some years old, he could wow. still wow. hit it, which was crazy. That's cool. Jeff Fiegels was another uh, older punter that kind of look up to, got to know him uh, at a few uh, kind of business events in the off season. This wasn't my rookie year, but afterwards, one of the things he, he told me and kind of stuck with me was, you know, every year there's guys coming out. Every year there's somebody who can kick higher, farther than I can. But the one thing I have over everybody else is my mental game, mm. making sure I'm mentally sharp. So with that, a couple of years into my career, I started doing kind of that mental training, work with a professional that worked uh, that stuff. Primarily with golfers, I was his first punter. But I mean, I would take a whole bunch of mental reps, you know, before I went to bed during the week in the hotel room, before games, out on the field. Uh, if you ever saw me, with my headphones on, going to different parts of the field, I was doing that. Like, all right, it's, you know, fourth and six. The ball's on the your own 26-yard line. The wind's, you know, 10 miles per hour, you know, right to left. Wow. You know, here's the call. Go out, you know, visualize the kick. So I took a whole bunch of mental reps before I actually took any physical ones. So this was something I learned later on, but through better picking their brain, talking to them. The NFL in general is, is like a fraternity. I think more so than it was uh, when I was playing. Right. But like the other kickers and punters, we weren't competing against them. Sure, I wanted the punter to shank a ball when we're playing against them, but I had no ill will towards them. So, you know, before the game, after the game, you know, just talking to them, picking their brain. The guys, you know, Mormon up in Buffalo, since we're playing them twice a year, you know, you get to know the guys that you're competing against and how they're doing and any tips. And then in the off season, you run into them and stuff like that, where it's, you know, picking up tips stuff that stuff that uh certain people do certain people don't what can you use what can you not yeah it's it's interesting stuff and it's also interesting to me it's like you're finding some of that veteran leadership outside of your mm -hmm. own locker room right? right because again just the limiting nature of the position the flip side of that what i what i was wondering juice because we always hear the great hazing stories here there's a whole lot less guys to haze you <laughs> as a rookie i'd imagine and so I, I i spoke with caleb sturgis last night was able to track him down Talk to Caleb, he sends his best. And uh, he said that, like, his rookie dinner, Juice, like, you, you know, you remember going oh, to dinner. Oh, yeah. Trent Gamble was here, and, you know, you show up, and there's 12 DBs, and he and Arturo Freeman are shaking in their boots that they're going to have to pay right, for, right. you know, the, uh, everybody's ordering steak and lobster on DB <laughs> night out. So Caleb's rookie hazing, Juice, he had to take John – and Brandon and their wives to dinner. Wives like that was it. it was okay. A fire. Yeah. Okay. So okay. yeah, they had that, to add the Jay, wives. Uh, Feely started that with me. Oh really? So he snuck that one on me. So I didn't know about that. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. So he started a tradition down in Miami with that. I don't know if they still do it, but yeah. So my rookie year. Oh yeah. Jay talking. He's like, oh yeah, wife's gonna come too. I didn't know any better because when I was being a being a dumb rookie, I was like, sure. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. You know, and then then John already went through it, so he's. John's being respectful, you know, ordering what he wants, but not going crazy. Oh, Jay and his wife looking at the wine list, all this stuff. And I, I, I took it. it. I didn't complain. I just took it. I had a great meal and everything. And 
So then after that, we started having the wives come. Yeah, so that's... Uh, I love it. So, yeah, with that, he, did Caleb tell you he whined? He whined and cried about it. So John, <laughs> the nice guy, he has kicked them some under the table. I was yelling at John afterwards when I found out. He left out. that part out. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he was complaining about it. So John threw him a couple oh. couple hundred. Yeah, it wasn't oh. ridiculous. I mean, obviously, it's it's and all those meals are ridiculous in, your, in their own, own mind, but they're not like the stories you hear. <laughs> You know, it's it's that everyone, you know, getting a nice meal and maybe a nice, you know, drink or, or wine, but it's not uh, yeah. something, you know, thousands of dollars. Right, oh, yeah. right. They're just, they're just complaining. So John, oh, he, he left that part <laughs> out. Oh, that's so, so John's good. Nice that's as a so guy. Right. Yeah, he did I'm say like, oh, this happened to me a couple of years ago. You just got to eat it. Yeah, he he did say he was like, you know, twenty one years old or something, and. And your wife's pregnant. John's wife's pregnant. Yep. I think I don't know if Dan Carpenter went to camp with him and his wife. You know, before like he said, every, everybody was eating for guys, two. Was more. It, 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 it kind of quadrupled real quick. Well, he just felt so out of place. Like he just, you know. So he said all that, but I didn't hear the fact that he sat there and whined about the the bill. Oh, that's, that's right. Great. Yeah, so hazing that, in the special teams room. Yeah, so we knew. I mean, obviously, everybody knows kind of writing on the wall when, when somebody gets drafted. Uh, so yeah. unfortunately, Dan, who was with us, I think five years. Uh, he was kind of on his way out, so we made sure to get the the rookie dinner in before camp ended, <laughs> so we could partake in it too. For sure, for sure, I love it. Brandon, let's talk about your uh, flip the field mentality uh, you had as a punter, man. It's funny because as a you know we talked a little bit as a punt returner, I have my own flip the field mentality, but it's more on the offensive side of my of mine. You know, I want to I want to take any punt and I want to you know get as at least inside you know past the thirty five is my goal a lot of times. So if I can give my team a a 65 yard field. I think I'm in, I'm in good shape. Uh, but you, you know, for, for a guy with the big booming leg, I mean, kicking a mile high and a mile deep, man, talk about, you know, the pride you took in the 60 plus 70 plus yard punts, pinning the ball inside the 20, sometimes inside the five, you know, as we know, inside the five is, is the brewery name, which is amazing. That's, 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 that's well done, man. Talk about what kind of pride it took in, in that and, and how that permeated. And big Seth, permeate is a big word. Like, mayonnaise all right that's a mayonnaise word for sure you know throughout the entire punch how that permeate between you know throughout the whole punch keep using it juice yeah i'm gonna gonna ride that one today (laughs) (laughs) the the cover team had to love that i loved it i mean that's uh i took pride in it our team did what i love the most about football is your one-on-one battle um sounds silly a punter saying that but kind of learned early on that my one-on-one battles was was between me and the returner and mm. me and the opposing special teams coach, you know, trying to scheme up a block, scheme for a turn to try to shut me down. So I took pride in that kind of that battle. How was I going to win that that game? And knowing that I could make a difference uh, with our team. Obviously, we didn't have always the best offenses. And even the best offenses, sometimes they struggle, as you see this year with, with different teams and in the past. So knowing that I can be that kind of, that rock, that consistency, that, hey, it's all right. You know, we'll get you out of this. It fueled the defense. I said earlier how, how a lot of the special team coordinators loved me. Just because of that, they knew that it's okay. You know, okay, the, the touchback, we, offense goes three, three and out. Instead of the team getting the ball at midfield where now the opposing offense can do whatever they want. Well, shit, now they're on their own 20-yard line. Now what are they going to do? Now the game plan is a little bit different. Yeah. You know, the, the defense can, you know, pin their ears back, that. can go after them like that. And even, uh, you know, a lot of the de- defenders, there's a lot of defensive guys on the punt team. So knowing that, yes, they, they want to be the pro. They want to make a great play regardless. But unfortunately, a lot of, especially starters, they, they see special teams as, uh, I just got to do it. Coach is making me do it. Not on the punt team. They saw that as, as a direct reflection of, I'm going to go down, field's going to, you know, Boom the ball down the field over my head. I'm going to run down and make a tackle to set myself up, set my defense up, you know, in great field position, you know, to get our offense back on the field at midfield. So with that, it was just, it was great knowing that those teams were that first couple punts where you, you know, you flip the field on them. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know what to do. And just seeing that, uh, that will just kind of, you know, it's yours. It leaves them. They're kind of, they're down. They don't know how to answer to it. And like, you got them right where you want them. Yeah, Brandon, you know what? It's so it's so crazy you say that. When you boom one like that, and we talk about it, sometimes they call that, not not all the time, but sometimes it's out kicking your coverage. 
But man, I always did the math. Here's what I did. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Cover better. That's right. That's right. I always talked about like if I see a punter, they're punting from their own 20. He's averaging 50. I got to put my heels on the 30. And then you're a guy that had me back up another, hell, 10, 15 yards sometimes to catch the punt. And I got to make a decision on hang time, distance, you know, the wind, all this stuff. Whether I'm going to call a fair catch or I'm going to try to return the damn thing, man. It was always. You talk about the one-on-one. I have one-on-ones with punters all the time as well like that. I love this. This is like a heavyweight title fight right here. I love going against rookies or there's a few returners who were too aggressive. Like I would scout to see how far, how deep they played guys. And that of even, you know, I'd kind of peek on the field of, you know, how far are they playing me? Are they at 45? (laughs) Good luck on this one, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, you guys have your flip the field mentality. I'm going to flip the field here, fish tank style, and we're going to talk about another aspect of your game, all right? And it's what we started the show with, and that's holding. Uh, we, we know you got that big old leg. Not holding, Big Sam. You're talking about no, holding? No, no, not holding, but being the holder oh. for a... <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> Thank you for the clarification, you. especially here. Uh, yeah, I don't I haven't seen Brandon have any penalties. In, in, in an audio format, yeah. I appreciate the clarification <laughs> here. Right, right. So, so, Brandon, we have one of our most loyal... Loyal listeners, he's become a dear friend uh, here on the show. A guy by the name of Jason Sarney, he might be the nation's biggest fan of the holding art form. He went, we went through three seasons where he compared one holder to the next and why this kicker struggled, you know, from one year to the next. And he was drawing things on the right on on, on Twitter and all the I don't know, I don't know what type of an expertise there was. We love you, Sarney, but now we got a guy who will be able to kind of give us some some information on this and. Like when I talked to you about Jay Feely, you were like, oh, yeah, I remember he liked it tilted about two o'clock and this and tilted a little bit forward. And and we when we went to Jay, he was like, Brandon's exactly right. And that's remarkable to me that that was your rookie year. That was 2007. And you remember exactly how he wanted to have the ball. And you only you only played with him for one season. So so I have some questions for you and and bear with me because I'm going to fire off a few questions and then you can the floor will be yours. But number one. Were you the holder in college, or did you have to learn that quickly when you got to the NFL? So that's the first question. The second question is, so often anymore, we see that the holder is the punter. We've seen the backup quarterback sometimes, but you see it as the punter so much now. And and look, what guarantees that the punter is going to have great hands? Okay, you played some tight end. You said you had really good hands. I know O.J. McDuffie would catch. the He, he would never drop a hold. He'd catch it a thousand times out of a thousand times. You were elite as well. But I imagine that just because a guy has a big leg doesn't necessarily mean that he can catch and be a great holder. So I I find that interesting. And then finally, what makes, well, not finally, sorry, four questions. What makes a great holder in in your estimation? And then was there any particular kicker that was a pain in the ass and which kicker was the easiest to hold with? Good luck with all of that. Those are all my holding questions. (laughs) Floor is yours. Uh, Learned how to hold in college. So yeah, that's, that's, First time I did it, so I had numerous years. Uh, we had both right and left oh, wow. kickers in college, so we learned how to hold um, for a lefty. Uh, so, like combine, I was the only one there. There was one left foot kicker. I was the only one there who ever had experience holding for a how about that? So, held, held for the lefty uh, for that. Um, what was, what was question two? <laughs> I threw too many at you there. Okay, so like. Why is the holder the always the punter? Like, what happens if the punter just um, can't catch? I mean, you know, he can catch this snap to, to field the punt, but what if he can't catch that snap? So some of it is coaches' philosophy. Uh, there are some coaches, not as much anymore, but more old school, that want the quarterback or the backup quarterback to be the yep. holder for fakes. I mean, it's strictly for fakes. I'll admit, I can throw the ball, but I am not a quarterback <laughs> in any so there is something with that, but again, you're you're having somebody do something they're probably not comfortable with, or don't get very many yeah. reps for maybe one or two plays a year. So typically, it's a punter because everybody else, when they're doing other position, you know, individual drills, everything else, the punter, kicker, holder, or, or long snap are all together. So you can get all of get those practice reps. reps in. You don't. You're not just getting the five, six reps during the week with uh, the field goal team. Makes sense. So all those, all the, the nuances of that of you know the kicker wants it, you know, tilted this way versus tilted that way. Move, you know, tilted forward, back, all that stuff. Um, so that's why. Okay. Uh, in terms of hands, I was on the hands team in college, so I, I had one of the best sets of hands. Again, I 
Well, you, you didn't have to move very far there, right? That, that hand scheme. Coming right at yeah. you, yeah. I oh, like that. And it makes sense, too, that big body, right? You're not going to pop that that uh, onside kick over my head at six foot five. That oh, makes yeah. sense. And then, oh, the most pain in the ass? Uh, probably Jay, just because he was very ridiculous, <laughs> um, which is which is great. I mean, that's yeah. that's what I want. I don't want somebody to, eh, yeah. whatever you want. No, you tell, you tell me and I'll get it done. Right. So with that, knowing the, the particulars, holders in general, I mean, they they can hurt or help the kicker depending. So for instance, if you ever see like the laces, uh, if the laces are to the side, the ball will be influenced to go that side. Mm. And usually it's, you know, if the laces are turned in, you'll see that hook go in. Yeah, we know um, as Ace Ventura fans and Dan Marino fans, we know yeah. laces out for <laughs> sure. We, out. we know anything, yeah, Brandon sure. Fields, it is laces out. But the laces back, it's, that just hurts distance. Other than that, it doesn't influence the the, the rotation. Yeah, of tell Ray Finkel. It, <laughs> it may screw up the kicker's mind because all of a sudden he's seen the laser. Right now, it makes sense. <laughs> right. Or I did give Dan on accident game winning kick against Green Bay at Green Bay the laces. Mm. So that's that's the one time I remember that. Happened. Did he tell you about it afterwards? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. After, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's one of those, like you know the, the later on the special teams coach Rizzy at the time saw it later on and game tape but again we won the game maybe, made the kick. Kick. maybe so, you should do this right. every damn time i love it that's what it's just kicker, just kick the ball kicker that's all well, I not do. only a great holder juice but he fielded four questions in a row there so very uh, impressive he, he killed it he killed it. <laughs> i've got a couple more for him actually okay. <laughs> John hit me in the face. That's the only time I dropped. <laughs> you know, Brandon, the thing about it, I always say this all the time. When it comes to that battery, snapper, holder, kicker, the holder has a, the hardest job. And I've always said this because, you know, the snapper only has to, do, has to snap. You have to receive it, place it, spin it sometimes, tilt it at 2 o'clock for Jay Feely, a little <laughs> bit forward as well. You know what I mean? And, and, and the thing about it is these kicking balls suck. Yes, the they're kick, They're the worst balls out there, right? So, I mean, that's the toughest job when it comes to that, especially in pressure cooker situations. Uh, yeah, but so it's it's a unit in terms of, and it's more of the snapper and the holder. So, John made my job easy where, you know, nine times out of ten, he had the, the laces forward. And if he missed, usually I knew exactly where he was missing. So, again, it, it's that – Repetition, yeah, you know that that permeates. Ah, yeah. there we go. I, I see. love it. I see what you did back. there, Brandon. I see what you He's did ready right for there. A damn podcast. It's, I'm it's telling you, all those reps where I know exactly, like it, it's muscle memory. So it, it's not thinking about it. So yeah, in terms of that, especially with bad weather and stuff like that, um, I never got nervous holding. Yeah. That holding is actually I would kind of like take it in, in terms of you know those times where you're running out, you know, timeout, the game winner, something like that. You know, take a knee before checking with the kicker, kind of look around the stands like, damn, this is cool. Yeah. All right, let's make this kick. Love that. So it's one of those. I, I don't know why, but I never felt any pressure at all when I held the ball. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Hey, Big Seth, I think we got – I mean, we got everything we wanted out of the holder. That was outstanding stuff, I, I think man. we milked it. You know, and people don't even think about these things. You know, people just sit out there and they watch the games. They don't realize all that goes into, you know, not just punting, you know, but the holding situation. But I think we got everything out of that important part of the game, in, in my opinion, Big Seth. Yeah, I mean, it's critically important. Like I said, Jason Sarney will be the first one to tell you how important it is. But, <laughs> but it is. I, I always wonder that when they make a change – at the position for a multitude of reasons. And we'll talk about that here, it's, you know, but before this podcast is over, but that change isn't just impacting one person. I mean, it is the ultimate team sport. So no change just impacts one person, but that holder and kicker dynamic. And as you said, the snapper as well, it's, it's a critically important one. And for, for damn near 130 games, we had that, that holder and snapper together. Automatic. It yeah. was automatic. Yeah. It? it was, it was automatic. Except for, all right, know, all right, Seth. Let, let's get back to Brandon the okay. punter, though, man. Right. We've, had, right. we've had enough about the – and I love that part, too. I, I'm always a, a big advocate of the holder and everything they have to do, man, because I, I think it's an important position. But, you know, but while you were the great holder, Brandon, you were also a prolific punter for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, the highest career gross punting average in team history, the three best seasons in team history as far as gross punting is concerned, third all-time in net punting with the top three single-season net punting averages in Dolphin history. Damn. I mean, when it comes to record books, I mean, look, my favorite record that I have for the Miami Dolphins, I think I own the record for the most fair catches in a career. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, I mean, I, and I take pride in it, Brandon. I take pride in it, bro. 
But, but there's another record that I, I want to discuss. Now, now we need to confer, you know, with Brett, who works with the with the Dolphins and the communication staff on this. But you appeared on ESPN's Come On Man segment, a team record three times in your career. Tell team record? We're yeah, saying it is until someone proves we're, it wrong. We're, we're going to talk to you until, until, my, until somebody proves it's wrong. That's a team right. record, all right? All right. So so tell us about that honor and, and break down these these three special moments for us. So we had one that we talked about already, the snap to the face. That's um, definitely a come on, man. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That was on there. Another one was a, another fake field goal. Um, it was against the Jaguars. I was actually talking to my wife about this. I think it was 2012. Well, I'm not positive on that. It was a home game against Jacksonville. It was actually in the, the deep end end zone. Shout out to the deep end. Love it. It's, uh, the ball, I think, was on like the two or three yard line. So it wasn't an extra point, but it was it was a field goal. The play was called with Giant uh, as Sleeping Giant. So it was one of those where offense runs the play, and then Fasano, who's the wing on the field goal team, he runs off the field and kind of you know with the group, but doesn't actually get off the field. Stays outside the numbers and lines up you know a couple yards uh, from the sideline. And with this, uh, for whatever reason, uh, coach at the time didn't like running a lot of fakes in terms of in practice. So we never, we only ran a handful of times. And every single time we did it, if the defense caught onto it, he would stop, tell the defense to just pretend you don't see him. So there was no like, yeah, exactly. In practice, he would say, just pretend you don't see him. But but are yeah. they going to pretend when you get to game day? Are they going to pretend that they don't see you? No, no we, we call it, we have the look. But whatever reason, the the umpire is standing over the ball and won't get off the ball. Mm. But John, myself, I think Dan was the kicker at the time. Uh, it might have been Sturgis. We're like, like, we see him. He's Fasano sitting out there having a picnic by himself. <laughs> We're like, get out of the way, get out of the way, get out of the way. Like the last second, right as the ref gets off the ball, um, the corner kind of just peeks outside, does a double take. Does one of those like, oh shit moments. And he starts sprinting out there as John snaps it. In my mind, I'm thinking, just beat him. Beat, beat him with the throw. <laughs> so I chucked that thing 10 yards or 10 rows up. <laughs> you beat him. You beat Fasano. You beat everybody on that one. Fasano's you know, huh? like, like putting, his, putting his hands up like really feels. Like he even tried to catch it. Nothing like that. And it's like, yeah. So, yeah. So that was on. Come Love on, it. man. That's what Fasano was saying was, come on, man. Right. It's right. uh, too good. And then the last one was my own come on, man. It was in San Francisco at San Fran at Old Candlestick Park. Um, I think we ended up losing the game. But it was a it was a push punt. So it was a go-in punt. Hit a great ball. Uh, I think bounced on, hit like the five-yard line, bounced straight up. Jonathan Freeney, who was a linebacker at the time, great special teams guy. Made a heck of plays his whole entire career. Uh, made the bonehead play of catching the ball and celebrating and walking into the end zone. <laughs> Just put the ball from the five-yard line back out to the 20. Oh. So I did one of those. Of like, you know, it was a group of us, but kind of had my hands. I did one of those, like, come on, man. Kind of like, you know better. Kind of pushes. Right. And, uh, and uh, apparently... Twitter at the time, my agent, everything was blown up of how dare a punter push a linebacker. Granted, I was bigger. Yeah, right. <laughs> Six five two fifty. Damn it. Right, right. Come get some. <laughs> it was not. It was not ill intended. It was just kind of one of those like, come on, you know better. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, but then the the funny thing about that was the next home game. Jonathan Freeney's mom and his his brother came up to me in the fa- uh, family tent, and his mom. Fun it like with a smile on her face. Let me have it. Whole <laughs> <laughs> time, her, his brother is just cracking oh, up in the background. I, so I, I, I apologize to you know Mama Freeney. Yeah, so that was my third. Come on, oh, moment. I love it, Brandon. She was waiting to get at you, man. She was yeah. waiting to get at you. <laughs> yeah, she circled that next that home game for sure. So, uh, you know, Juice used another mayonnaise word and, and talked about prolific. And, and speaking of prolific. In 2013, you're selected to the Pro Bowl. And I didn't realize this, Juice, but you start thinking about it. Only two punters in the history of this team have been mm-hmm. Pro Bowl punters. And, you know, one was the great Reggie Roby. He did it twice. And then you, Brandon. So, I, again, I think that that's, um, uh, you know, that that's high praise there and, and a reflection upon your commitment to this team and, and your excellence on the field. Yep. You then play the 2014 season 
and then you go into camp expecting to play your ninth year, um, you know, for 2015, and yet you're released, right? And so I, I talked to John, and he said that that was a gut punch to him too. Like you guys had really become this operation and become close friends. And and uh, he's like, I can't, you know, I, I, I don't want to say it hurt me the way it hurt Brandon, but it, it definitely, it, it was hurtful to him. And so, look, we understand nothing's guaranteed to anybody in this league, but I can only imagine what that was like for you, you know? And so you go on that season, uh, coincidentally, Juice, it was Thomas Morstead in New Orleans who gets hurt. So Brandon, you go in there for three, four games, I think, and you fill in for him. But what I've always wondered, and we have not spoken really since this moment, but what I've always wondered is why did that become the end of your career? You know, from an outsider's perspective, you were healthy. You had never missed a game in eight seasons, as we talked about, 128 consecutive games played. That was good. That's tied for third all-time in team history. You know, John had the record of 224, as we just talked about in the last episode. JT was right behind him. And you had 128 consecutive games played. You never missed a game. You're a big guy. It wasn't like you were a small guy who had taken a beating. And then when I go look at, I went and looked at, you know, top 20 punters in, in the history of this league in terms of number of punts. They're averaging almost 17 seasons for their career. Um, now they also are averaging like more than four teams, uh, you know, per guy. So I just, you know, I wanted to have this opportunity to, you know, and hopefully I'm not going somewhere you don't want to go, but I want to have this opportunity to talk to you about it because I was really surprised how that all went down. No, I mean, obviously it's been a while. Football feels like a different life. So in general with that one, uh, not, not, and I don't want this to speak bad about anybody else. Uh, there was a particular person who wasn't a GM, but acted like a GM at the time. So it, it's. So, I mean, the, but there were a few guys had gotten contract extensions. So they were looking to cut money other places. And I had actually signed a, uh, a new contract and took a pay cut going into that year. But like with me, the, the, the year's going up. So each year I was doing better and better and better until I made the Pro Bowl, which was fantastic. Um, I actually took John and his wife out there. Mm. I told them a couple years before that, if I made it, I was going to take them. Uh, just because I kept finishing second. As you said, there's only one punter taken, and it's never the Super Bowl punter. The team going to the Super right. Bowl, so that's so. So there's really, unless they get hurt um, or something comes up that they can't go, they're always going to be the one going. Uh, versus quarterbacks, other positions where you may have multiple, like 13 different quarterbacks or 14 different quarterbacks who were selected to the Pro Bowl that played in my Pro Bowl wow. year. In terms of guys going to the Super Bowl, guys that were That's hurt crazy. and opted out, but punters, kickers, there's only yeah. one. So it, it meant a lot, especially since I had fallen short every year. Not that that was my career goal by any means, but it's it's nice to be recognized by other people that, like, hey, you're one of the best. So then the next year, where they were saying I had a down year, <laughs> it was probably like the third best that I've had in my career. I mean, at some point, looking at my stats, I had. I had to go down um, just because right, right. <laughs> I averaged over 50 yards when I went to the Pro Bowl. So, and at that time, I was one of nine punters to do it in NFL history. Mm. So, even even in camp, I, I had better stats than the other kicker or the other punter. But just knowing, I mean, unfortunately, the train moves on. And whether they want you on board or not, it's still moving. So, um, it was definitely, uh, like you said, kind of a gut punch in terms of. John and I were the two consistent things where we always right. kind of were there together and had each other. Definitely, uh, it feels like failure, unfortunately. But, I mean, it, it's, um, you know, there's only a select few people that play that can stop when they want to. Now, you said I was healthy. I actually played my last two years with a torn labrum in my head. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, as a punter, that had to be hella difficult. Yeah, I had surgery as soon as I was done playing to fix everything. Unfortunately, I was just told it was just uh, wear and tear and just overuse. Um, found out that wasn't the case, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, so I was uh, every game. I was my last couple of years. I was playing in pain. I was very much a rhythm punter, and by that is I wanted to feel it. Um, yes, I took all those mental reps, but I probably kicked the ball over a hundred times every game day. Mm. You know, the it's the warm ups without pads with the coach. It's the warm ups with pads. It's, you know, right before the game starts, it's, you know, every time we, we would have the ball on offense, I'd be hitting three or four balls in the net. 
And it's one of those of, you know, we get the ball backed up. We're deep. I'm hitting a few. Third down, we get a first down. You know, it, it's been five, ten minutes since the last time I hit the ball in the net and we're still driving. I'm still warming up in the net because I'm feeling that rhythm, doing it. So it, it did take a lot from a physicality standpoint, from a body standpoint. Yes, I wasn't necessarily getting hit. I would have uh, probably two to four tackles every year. I took pride in that. My pads were just good enough to not get me killed in the game. I mean, my, my shoulder pads, I mean, they didn't even cover my, my, <laughs> my, up here. my helmet. I had, I mean, other than my shoulder pads, I had nothing down below. So if I got hit, you're hitting bone, you're hitting muscle. Mm. So stuff like that. So it, it, it does take a toll. Uh, in terms of me, me stopping or retiring. See, at the time I had one kid, uh, I had a daughter and then um, found out my wife was pregnant with our second. And that first uh, 2014 season, every single weekend, every single Sunday, I was on a plane in an airport, flying to a new city, uh, trying out for a new team um, until I, I filled in for a few games in New Orleans. Um, I just didn't want it. I mean, it, it's, it was no longer worth it. Some of the fun uh, in my, my own mental anguish, I'm a perfectionist. Um, so my wife would always get, get on me to enjoy it more. Um, even games, I had great games. It's, Hey, if I would have done this, this differently, the ball would have went out of bounds at the mm. five instead of the 10, or, do, you know, I could have done this differently to, to get this, you know, better and whatnot. So I think at that time I didn't, and I knew some, some vets that either were single, um, or their family was in a different city. And at that time it was, it was time. I mean, my body was telling me, you know, I, I didn't have to take a lot of painkillers and stuff, but at the same time, I had to do a lot from a, from a weekly and a game time standpoint, uh, load management, uh, pain management to, to be ready to perform how I wanted to. If I'm hearing what you're saying, it, it, you know, cause uh, I mean, there's a lot of factors there and the family dynamic was changing. And, and when you said things weren't as fun, you were a perfectionist, but if you had won the job in 2015 again, and you were, you know, you were going to be in Miami again, do you think crystal ball, what have you, and I guess we shouldn't be talking about hypotheticals, but if you had had the chance to stay here and continue to play, do you think that your career would have been extended long or that you would have chosen to play longer because you were in this environment yeah. that was meaningful to you? Yeah. I mean, at that time I was still, I was still able to play. I was still able to perform at the level that I wanted to. I, I was able to manage everything um, in terms of body and mind and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would have played as long as I could. Um, as soon as I got to that where every weekend I'm going somewhere right. else, getting that separation. Now it's the the self-reflection looking at it is, is this what I want? Is this what I want for my right. family? I mean, my wife has, has sacrificed a lot and, and all wives and significant others do for us to play. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, I have more free time than other guys, but we're gone mentally or physically for half the year if yeah. not longer so with that i mean it, it was time to kind of you know step back and look at it and just move on i never wanted to be one of those to to hold on to something and knowing that at that time kind of mentally going into the the beer making the brewing world that was becoming we we're thinking more and more about that so we already had kind of our our mental flip if you will I still remember, you know, I'd run into old teammates or whatnot, and they, they, they were lost. They didn't know what they're going to do. They didn't right. have that passion. They didn't have that drive to something else. And I think mentally, I kind of moved on yeah. and and found that. Well, Brandon, I know you you made the most out of everything since retirement, man. And so, and in that, you talked a lot about your wife, Katie. You know, in 2018, you know, along with your former Michigan State teammate, Chris Morris, you guys opened up inside the Fire Brewing Company, man. Tell us about, you know, you talked about why you decided not to play, but how, does you, how do you go from a Pro Bowl punter to a craft beer enthusiast and an entrepreneur, man? And how can I get some of that? That's my next question. <laughs> it's, all, it's all Katie's doing. It's all my wife's doing. When I went down to Miami for a birthday gift, she got me that basic home brewing kit, you know, a couple buckets and whatnot. Quickly fell in love with taking kind of seemingly random ingredients, making something and sharing with uh, friends and teammates. From there, uh, met the brothers Ryan and Casey Sense at Funky Buddha Brewery down in Oakland Park mm -hmm. and kind of loitered around their brewery. I saw them grow. They were my mentors. Uh, in the off season, I would work there or 
they want to pay me, but yeah, it was one of those. Intern, you intern. intern. That's what it is. One of those. I asked. I I asked him like, you know, can I help out? And they kind of half jokingly said, "Yeah," thinking I wasn't serious. I'm like, "Okay, what time do you get there?" Well, playing a prank on me, they said eight o'clock. My ass was there at seven forty-five. They didn't come in until nine (laughs) thirty. That is awesome. This worked. This worked for me. I like oh, this. That is good. This line of work works for me, right? <laughs> so we are so right now mentioned. So we're at our, our new brewing facility, twenty five thousand square feet on five acres, trying to get our tap room open. This will be our third location. We have two full service brew pubs uh, in the Toledo area. But it's, so we have a lot of fun with uh, you know. Obviously, we have Snap to the Face. Other beers we have is Pooch Butt, which is a nice smooth uh, pilsner. You know, no frills. See, we have a go in the Canton cream ale. Uh, well, we got some there named after my kids, my dogs. Have a lot of fun. We have a brown ale called Stained Khakis. Don't <laughs> you guys get that reference? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we're, we're making beer. We're having fun. So it's that's the fun part is is creating something, kind of getting it out there. You're and, opening and, your third brewery. You're yeah. sitting there. That's what you told me that you're in that room because yeah. this is your third brewery. You're doing more than just having fun. You don't open three if they all are disaster but it's good i mean it's yeah it's the problem is myself wife katie and partner chris we all have that drive we can't settle we're it's we're not here just to do it we're here to conquer it it doesn't sound like a problem that sounds like a recipe for success my friend yeah so it's good stuff all right so brandon the one guy we never, ever, ever want to see, Juice, right, in a two-minute drill is the punter. I don't want to see the punter. If we're running uh, a two-minute drill. Do you ever drill, see him? Do you ever see him in a two-minute uh, drill? I mean, if sense? you do, then that coach is looking for a new job at the end of it as well. I don't want our two-minute drill to end in a punt. <laughs> However, you are now in the fish tank. We close every episode out with our two-minute drill. So we're calling for the first time ever in a two-minute drill. We're calling the punter onto the field. Buckle up your chin strap. I'm putting two minutes up on the clock. And we're just going to fire off some questions at you. You can, you know, answer them as quickly or as thoroughly. Or if you need to call a timeout, you know, I know you don't have a lot of familiarity with the two-minute process. But as far as one call timeouts, you usually get in trouble. Yeah. With that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. That's a good point. All right, Juice, let's do this thing. All right, here we go, Brent. All right. The top punter in the Big Ten is annually rewarded, awarded with the Edelman Fields Punter of the Year Award. The Fish Tank's own Brandon Fields is the Fields. Who was Edelman? Edelman is, uh, I think, back in the 50s. He played, I believe, for Illinois. Unfortunately, he's passed away. Uh, my wife met his wife at the time. I was not able to uh, give the award out the first year they did it. So I have not been able to meet the gentleman. Thomas Dyke That's Edelman. Correct. Thomas Dyke yeah. Edelman. Yeah, and That's Juice, right. it turns out he played football, basketball, and ran track for Illinois. He's known as the greatest athlete in Illinois history. So he shares the naming of that award with Brandon. That's pretty cool. Okay. So the funny thing at the Big Ten, I know I'm interrupting you. That's minutes. right. Big we'll Ten, call timeout. Yeah. See, <laughs> timeout. They have a fan zone. So in the fan zone, all of the various players have an award named after them. They have a big, like life-size mural, and it's it's school specific. So like Michigan State, it has a picture of me punting, gives some stats about the school, and it just has you know the player's name. But it's all of the uh, recipients, kind of in the current age, if you will. It's like Drew Brees and stuff is on there. One of the years went there with wife and friends. Uh, we went to check it out and standing next to it. All of a sudden, this, this little boy with his dad walking through it is, why does Michigan State have a punter? <laughs> <laughs> it's a punter award, dang it. Nice to meet you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> a little turd. How you doing? I'm that guy. <laughs> Pleasure. Okay. All right. We'll keep this thing rolling. So your first three years in the league as a Miami Dolphin, you were teammates with Joey Porter. Now, the actress who played the character Joey Potter on a popular late 90s, early 2000s teen television drama actually got her theatrical start at your high school. And I know you're really curious now because I know it was an all-male school at St. John's Jesuit, but I guess they would get female performers from the neighboring all-girls Notre Dame Academy. Do you know who that actress is who went on to have a pretty decent career? Katie Holmes. Yes, sir. (laughs) He knows his history there. That's good. All right. We'll keep it running. All right, as Seth said, we spoke with former Dolphins kicker Caleb Sturgis yesterday, and he said, not only were you a great punter and veteran mentor, mentor, but you may have had been the best team leader in terms of playing the game, Clash of the Clans. How many hours would you estimate you poured into Clash of the Clans? Oh, Brandon? shoot. Uh, probably four to five. I mean, well, everybody was during meetings. That's what I would, I'd either read. Wait, four or... to five a day? <laughs> yeah. 
What else we gotta do? Right. I love it. I love it. I don't it. know. Practice the damn it. fakes is what it sounds like we need to do. All right, final, final questions. Final question. We just talked about it. Your premier full service brew pub inside the Five Brewing is known for its unique beers and even more unique titles, as you just showed us. If you had to name the next beer, the next beer that you create after a former Dolphins teammate, who would it be? What would you name it? Ooh. I mean, just so you mentioned them, that I probably wouldn't do it, but the obvious one would be something like Joey Porter, being Porter. Ah, that makes sense. Yep. I yep. don't know. That, 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 that requires some thought. And usually about 2 a.m. with a glass of whiskey or something. <laughs> that, well, there it is. We'll have to stay tuned. That, that is, is the two-minute drill. Yeah. We'll stay tuned to see what that next beer is. I'm going to put we want, a hold We in. want royalties, Brandon. We want royalties on the Joey Porter one if he comes up. And I'll talk to him, you know, because, you know, we, we're the one that thought about this, right? I'm sure he'll contact me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. I'm putting a vote in for my guy, OJ, even though you guys didn't play together. You felt like teammates. Brandon, this was great. You were beyond generous with your time. I apologize that we've taken Katie's office away from her for so long. Uh, but c- continued success with everything. And, now that we know how to find you, don't be alarmed if I call you again for a good story about somebody else. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. So good, Brandon, man. Thanks for diving in. You're now diving into the fish tank. Just like Drew said, thanks for diving into the fish tank presented by iHeartRadio. Be sure to follow us on whatever streaming platform you're using, and don't be afraid to rate the show or leave us a comment. We love your feedback. And remember, you can find us as well as Drive Time with Travis Wingfield and all of our international partners on MiamiDolphins.com.